This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Had a little bit of an incident in the garden centre last week, Lorraine. Did it involve your elasticated trousers or...? it's the place to wear elasticated trousers, isn't it? Now, I popped in on a Wednesday, thought I'd just pick up a few pretty little plants for my uh, patio pots. And um, I was at the till, ready to pay. And this woman said, oh, would you like 10% off today? And I said, yes, I I really would like 10% off today. And she said, oh, well, that's good, because um, we do 10% off for over 50s on a Wednesday. (gasps) (laughs) Oh, no, it's happened. Literally. No kind of question. How old are you? Oh, you like? Trish. No, she just knew. She just knew. What do we feel about that? She knew. She knew from looking at you. She wouldn't have said that to JLo, would she? No, of course not. No, no exactly. Or Beyonce. Oh, she's not over 50. <laughs> no, she... <laughs> it was a little turning point, I think, and a point of acceptance. Just got to, you know, just deal with it, really. Anyway, the plants are very pretty. (laughs) If it happens to me, you know, obviously, I'll have to go to A&E and lie down for 10,000 years and be fanned by people, yes. Yes, you'll be raging. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. And I'm Trish Halpin. If you're living in a hormonal hothouse, feeling a bit overwhelmed and in need of some positive, uplifting and comforting guidance on how to lead a more magnificent midlife, then this is the show for you. We chat to celebrities and experts on all things midlife, from menopause and perimenopause to parenting teens, via fashion, beauty, wellness, nutrition, fitness, careers, relationships, caring for elderly relatives and your finances. Yes, we ask experts and famous guests all the questions you need answered to have a happier, healthier and more harmonious second act. So we like to have a little check-in with each other before we get cracking on with the show, don't we Lorraine? So can I ask how is your week going? And in particular, anything bringing you a little moment of joy? Well, Trish, you may have heard I've joined the uh, drinks black market this week. (laughs) My 16-year-old son has been sucked into the prime drink trend. Oh, I don't know what that is. No. Well, it's a drink that some YouTuber um, has brought out. It's called Prime. If you get to Sainsbury's at 7am and get a packet, then you can get a thing. You can give it to your teenage boys and then they sell it in the playground. It's just become a whole thing. So um, I was embroiled in that, but I was also given great joy about the revival of Baby Sham. (laughs) Oh, yes, I read about that. Yes, Baby Sham. Very, very exciting. So when I worked at the Cornish Times, I was 16 and we used to go to the local pub after work. Yes. And I was obviously under the drinking age, even for Cornwall, where really anything goes most of the time, especially in the summer. But I would have a baby sham because it was the only drink I sort of, my parents Mm. didn't really drink at home and it was the only drink I sort of knew the name of. So I would say, ah, a baby sham. (laughs) 
And it's coming back. It's coming back. The Showering Brothers of Somerset, their grandfather invented it. And it was invented as part of the whole cider. It was some kind of offshoot of cider because obviously Somerset is cider. Yes. But you know what it's made from, though? Tell me. Pears. It's a perry. A perry. Oh, it's a perry, isn't it? Yes. Yes, we've forgotten that. Well, anyway, it's coming back, Trish. It's coming back. Oh, well, that's a big old nostalgia noodle, isn't it? Is, it? Isn't it? Um, yeah. I think we're definitely on to something with our little trips down memory lane that we have each episode of Postcards from Midlife. Did you see that email in our inbox this week from the Museum of Brands? Because I know I'm always banging on about the really awful ones we get, but we do get some very interesting ones. And I liked this one because the Museum of Brands is launching something called Brand Boxes, which are these kind of multi-sensory resources that they send to people who are living with dementia and Alzheimer's and their carers. And they send Aww. a box through the post with a packaging from old brands like Pears soap or Vaseline or Paxo, and they can touch and smell them, and it helps to trigger memories. That's a really lovely idea. Hmm. What do you think I would need in my old age when one of them shoved me off in a home? We know the two obvious ones. Well, there's two obvious ones, but I was also thinking I really wanted to be reminded of my youth. Yeah. I'd have to have something reminding me of Club Tropicana, obviously, wouldn't I? So that would be Sun in, probably. Mm, coconut, pineapple, yeah. And uh, yes, and obviously, if it's going to take me back to midlife, it would be sort of Marmite or Hobnobs, wouldn't it? Yes, mentioned every episode, not sponsored, no commercial no. deal there. But um, while we're on the subject of memories, how have you been getting on with the memory challenges and training? <laughs> I suggested for you on, on our episode a few weeks ago. You do remember that episode? I do. I do. We had a, a chat with Dr. Restuck, didn't we, on how yes. to sharpen the midlife mind. And you taught me uh, a trick about imagining a giant penguin on a laptop. <laughs> I have ramped up my remembering because it does. I I am worse than you on the brain fog mm. um, front. So what I did was take your tip about a running commentary, saying things out yes. loud. I'm living in my own reality show now, mm -hmm. Trish. You're like this. I speak out loud all day, and I've invented an invisible famous friend for me to speak out loud to. Of course, it has to be famous. Yes. So I say, George Michael, have I turned the <laughs> oven off? <laughs> I say. George Michael, have I turned the tongs off before I leave the house? So it's doing two things. I'm remembering things so I don't yes. set light to everyone. And I'm also bringing my beloved George back into my life. Oh, I like that idea. That's mm. really nice, your imaginary friend. Midlife imaginary friends. That's a whole new thing. You can have anyone, Trish. Anyone you like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. So um, anyway, I thought I'd bring up the whole memory thing because we've had some cracking brain fog bloopers yes. on the Facebook group recently. We're going to read out a couple of them. But I just want to say before that, uh, that we are, of course, laughing along with you, dear listeners, because we are yeah. pros and experts at bloopers Queens of the brain fog. <laughs> exactly. Shall we kick off with some misplaced words? Missing words, we'll call this. So I'll start with Liliana, who says, The other day, I couldn't remember the word for shelf. <laughs> I described it to a much younger colleague as that bit of wood that comes in a cupboard so you can put your stuff on it. Yeah. <laughs> Good description. Um, I like this one. This one comes from Claire. It's missing one word. She says, While on holiday, I pointed out some bee homes. <laughs> which I then called honey factories. <laughs> Finally, one of the kids said, Mum, the word is hives. Q 
Cue much hilarity from the whole family. And then we've had one from Margot, who is an actual human, not our podcast cat, your beloved podcast cat. She says, the closest I could get to watering can recently was garden teapot. Oh, I like that. (laughs) It's really pretty, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but my garden watering can's always got sort of slugs and snails in it, which is very unpleasant, but I can't imagine a garden teapot having slugs and snails in it. No, that feels altogether more sophisticated, doesn't it? Mm. Zahida said, last night I was asking my daughter to turn off the light, but I told her to turn off the door and then the handle before my mouth found the right word. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's ongoing, isn't it? It's constant. Well, thank you for sharing those because it does always um, bring a little joy when we pop onto our private Facebook group, which you can join. All you have to do is answer three questions that Trish Mm. sets because she is the gatekeeper. It's not a quiz. Um, It's just some some info about you. That's it. Yeah, Agreeing to abide by the rules and being a midlife woman. And if you haven't listened to the episode uh, where we found out about all our forgetfulness and memory lapses, do have a listen. You can find it easily. The special guest uh, on that episode was mobility coach Petra Fisher. Well, that's very helpful of you, Lorraine. Uh, Just like the lovely ladies in my phone, which is how one member of the Facebook group describes the brilliant postcards community. I like that. Lovely ladies in my phone. I'm not sure I do without the group now because it's just so much helpful information, useful useful links, funny stories, relatable dilemmas and advice. Um, We really do learn so much from you all. It's like having 11,000 mates on tap, isn't it? 11,000. Super reassuring and comforting as Mm. well when you think, I'm probably going mad all on my own. And then you open up the Facebook group on your phone. You think, oh, no, hold on a minute. It's fine. We're all going mad. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Don't worry. (laughs) 11,000 is obviously about the same number of celebrity friends that I imagine I have in my little black book, isn't it, Trish? Oh, yes, you're made up friends. Well, no time for name dropping today. Thank you very much. Unless it's in reference to our fabulous guest, the actress, musical theatre star and Brookside alumni, Claire Sweeney. She'll be joining us shortly to talk about how her midlife is going. She's also going to talk about meeting Liza Minnelli, <gasps> dancing with Patrick Swayze. <gasps> <laughs> Do your rules allow me to drop names on behalf of the guests? <laughs> well, with their names like that, yes, they do. Um, I'll let you get away with that one, actually, because you may have noticed I've been lightening up a bit on my bossiness and rigid rule following lately as part of my midlife softening. Midlife softening, you say? Is that your... <laughs> you, do, you do not mean my muffin top middle softening. Is that not what we're talking about here? No, no, we're not talking body parts, no. <laughs> no, actually, what we are talking about in our how to win section is this kind of phenomenon of being softer, isn't it? It's about how our energy shifts at this stage of life. And we're going to be talking about quieter power as well as making time to rest and restore yourselves. Yes, and I've just remembered something else I wanted to mention about the Facebook group. Okay, is it one of those damn geography quizzes that you keep making me guess which country? So do you know what? From now on, I'm just going to say Siberia. That is going to be the answer to all your geography questions. Well, kind of ruins the fun. But anyway, it is along the lines of Siberia. Well, not quite. Uh, It's actually some travel news. There were lots of questions on the group, weren't there, that members have been posting about ideas, great places to go on holiday or inspiration for midlife adventures, family reunions and girls getaways. Um, And we're going to be teaming up with travel specialist Sordays to offer £500 worth of vouchers to one listener. Well, that is very exciting. Now, all you have to do is fill in a survey and tell us about your travel habits, your plans, your wish list. Because we think midlife women are changing the travel industry 
as well as everything else in the world. I mean, they do rule everything. So you will find out all the details of how to take part in this and how to fill it in on our Facebook group. Um, And then you could be off somewhere really fabulous before you know it. Time for How to Win at Midlife. And this week, we're going to be focusing on something that we've noticed happening to us as we make our way through our midlife years, which we're calling softening. And um, well, I don't want to keep going on about Pamela Anderson. I think I've mentioned her in the last two or three episodes. Well, I do actually want to keep mentioning her because she is fab. Um, You spotted one of her Instagram posts this week on this very subject. Yeah, it's funny how something suddenly resonates and, you know, you see about five things all saying Mm. the same thing. And I think it's something my friends are talking about and we are clearly channeling Pamela. So what she said is stay soft. And I thought, looking at her millions of followers and the fact that her life is in a really great place now and she has stayed soft. And I think we do soften as a generation um, as we get older. She said, stay open, soft and joyful, which I thought was really lovely. We're intrigued by it. So we've been doing a little bit of investigation into it, haven't we? And we're going to share some things. Yeah. Yes, we thought we'd both share how we have been softening and some of the nice things that are helping our minds, bodies and spirits along the way. Now, Lorraine, I think this is interesting for you because I would say you are a classic type A, very focused, driven, successful, extremely high standards and expectations of yourself, just a little bit competitive as well. Possible, that might be true, yes. <laughs> but that is starting to change for you, isn't it? And, and how you are seeing yourself in your second act. Tell, tell us what's going on there. Often the things you resist the most are the things you need the most. Mm -hmm. And I have been reading about it and sensing this softening idea coming along. So I took myself along to something that make you laugh out loud, Trish, because you just would never have thought I'd go. I potted off to restorative Mm. yoga, which is a very uh, different thing for me to do because it's deep relaxation. And I always Mm. feel pretty guilty about deep relaxation. Anyway, I met Alison Masterman, Ali who has been teaching yoga for 17 years, and she is a menopause doula. So what she does is talk to women about this particular stage of their life. She's a mum of two. She's 51. She's been through it all. She's been teaching a long time. And restorative yoga is about resting, deep resting. So you hold Mm -hmm. a position for kind of up to five minutes. So your body, you know, the muscles relax. Everything is supporting you. Various props are supporting you. It's all floor-based usually. Mm -hmm. So you use boulders and blankets. Bolsters. Not bolters. <laughs> They'd be very uncomfortable. Bolsters, you say. See, I don't even know the language. I'm so resistant <laughs> Not to any a form of this. No, yeah, so as you're lying there, all your muscles are supported. So they're releasing the tension. Mm. So it's about releasing stress. And this can allow, Alison explained, this can allow your tissue to repair. You probably only do four or five poses in an hour. So it's a really different mm. thing to do. Um, I did it with her at home and in a class uh, with other people. And we used straps and things. And she talked about, you know, the importance of having your legs up and blood flow and all of that kind of thing. And it really, what it taught me is the art of rest and to Mm. look for moments in your day when you can have that. I felt amazing afterwards. I have to Mm. say, I felt, you know, for the first 10 minutes, I thought, oh dear, I'm just lying down. This is, this can't be done. I better go through that list in my head so that I'm being practical and useful. And then really I got quite lost in it and I found it really lovely actually to have that moment in my day it's that idea again isn't it of putting your oxygen mask on first because when you're restored 
you can help everyone else when you need to. And it really released a lot of tightness. Yeah, but I bet you were thinking, oh, I'm not I'm not kind of really going hard and I'm not going at it. It can't be yes. doing me any good. And it's, it's just a different approach to how you feel about your body and how you look after your body, isn't it? We mentioned this the other day, didn't we, Trish? We said it was we're from the body beasting generation. <laughs> totally. So we go hard or we go home. All those step classes and hit classes <laughs> and God, everything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I loved that. So... If you have a look at her website, aliyoga.co.uk, she does specialise in menopause yeah. and women of this age. And I think it's really helpful because she tunes the class or the lesson yes. into you and what you're going oh, through because it's nice. very specific, isn't it, what we go through? Yeah. That kind of yoga is also known as yin yoga, isn't it? And you've got yeah. yin and yang in Chinese philosophy. And yang is the masculine energy, which is characterised by doing, yeah. okay, and achieving. And it's all about logic and reason. Whereas the feminine yin energy is more intuitive and oriented towards receiving and allowing and characterised by being. It's just about being. Yeah. And the thing, of course, is you need a balance of both. And it's quite hard to do that. I think us Gen Xers have gone more for the uh, the doing than the being. But as we get into midlife, we want to start more of that kind of harmonious being and balancing it. So I think that's really important. Well, you have been talking mm. to me about this with the work you've been doing with the therapist Donna Lancaster, who is amazing. Oh, she wrote the book The Bridge, didn't she? Which is just fantastic. Yes, yeah. She's talked to you about spirit-led living. How did that impact you? Yeah, well, I did her course called Deepening into Life, and I've just finished it, actually. It's a six-month course. And, you know, she introduced me to the idea that you, you live the first half of your life is very ego-led, so that whole doing, achieving, uh, you know, accumulating material possessions. Whereas in the second half, you want to become more spirit-led, more connected, more appreciative, grateful, self-aware, all of those sorts of things. And it was so useful and helpful. Lots and lots of personal inquiry, coming to terms with things in your past, forgiveness, thinking about what does it mean to lead a good life. It's very much the start of a journey, I think. But I feel so much kind of calmer internally, a lot of inner peace, a lot of daily gratitude. So do the sort of gratitude prayer thing in the morning. And it's so powerful because you can just get out of bed and just think, oh my God, how amazing is it to be in this world today and have this day ahead of me and look out the window and see trees and things like that. So that uh, is brilliant. And um, Donna's going to be at Postcards for Midlife Live. She's such an amazing speaker. She is. She has a new book, doesn't she as well? Yep, she does have a new book. But if you want to book tickets, you can do that on our website, postcardsfrommidlifelive.co.uk. So I'd recommend booking to see her. And her new book is called Wise Words for Women, which she describes as a collection of her own hard-won wisdom acquired along the rich and messy path of my life so far, which I like that, about sharing wisdom, isn't it? Is that too woo-woo for you? Do you like that idea? I can contemplate it. It's a bit woo-woo. A bit of spirit-led living. <laughs> spirit-led living. Uh, one of the things I've been doing in the whole spirit-led living thing, which and I've been properly planning it, is this seeking positive connection. So every Friday, I go on a little walk now with someone mm -hmm. who is not necessarily from my normal friendship group. So we know that connection is what keeps you alive longer. We know mm. it reduces inflammation, but you have to make the most of it. You can't just say, I'm going on a walk and I've ticked that off. I've been on a walk with a friend and that's it. I've done that for my family. When you read about this kind of positive connection, you have to really actively make it work for you and them. So you have to learn to listen and give back as much as you're offloading as well. And I think it, there's so much science around 
good connections with people. What it's made me do is review the kind of people I connect with. So mm-hmm. when we've talked about connection in the past in our go hard or go home era, we've tended to say, well, we must go for a coffee or we must go for a drink. Or we must go to the cinema or we must do that. Just doing nothing with people has mm. <laughs> been a revelation to oh, me. Nice. So yes. it's nice to be outside and that's brilliant and wonderful. But we sometimes we're just doing nothing with other people. And when you work out who could I just do nothing with, it brings a different set of people into your life. That's a soft, a nice, soft, a soft thing to do. Thing for me yeah, um, yeah. to do. Um, what about you? Do you remember um, Guy Browning? And he used to have a column yes. in The Guardian, very funny. And he had this column called How To. And I sort of wrote this quote down, actually, and I found it the other day. And it, it was, softness is stronger than hardness. To be your most effective, you have to relax, which means letting mind and body go soft. That's when you become truly powerful. Isn't that lovely? And I think that's what we're trying to do. Well, being vulnerable makes you powerful, doesn't it? Exactly, the, it does. Yeah. And I think what you were saying before earlier about finding it hard to rest and allowing your time to rest, yourself time to rest, that is so important to find that time because we really do need to rest physically. We need physical rest, social rest, emotional rest, mental rest. You know, and that's what you need to give yourself space for it to kind of happen. So it's kind of would think about how am I allowing myself to rest every day? What sort of rest do I need today? And giving yourself permission to do that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So this whole wellness thing that we've kind mm. of been coming at us for years. So two new books have come out slightly questioning <laughs> the wellness industry. Okay. So there's one called Real Self-Care by psychiatrist Dr. Pooja Lakshman. And then there's another one by a wellness journalist called The Gospel of Wellness by Rena Raphael. Now, I've got both of those and I've really looked into them and they make such interesting points, this whole consumerization really of self-care and the packaging and how gendered it is and how it is really women who have to keep looking for this. But actually, the point that Pooja makes, which is really interesting, is what is really going on? So when you say self-care, do you want to go to yoga? Because yoga is always the answer for self-care. Mm. <laughs> or are you not very well and you need to see your GP? What's really going on underneath? Do you need to just not go and do these things, add them to your list? Do you need to just set better boundaries and say no to people? Isn't that yeah. better, more specific, practical, science-led self-care wellness? Just saying, no, I'm not coming out tonight because I am tired or no, I won't take part in that because it will exhaust me. So learning boundaries, these two books are really good because there is this sense that we have to do these things, I think, particularly the the go hard or go home generation. Mm. They go on the to-do list. Oh, well, I must do yoga. I must look for an hour in the day when I don't do anything. All of this becomes on the list, whereas it could be quite radical to do nothing, but to really Mm. question yourself on what (laughs) you need to take that pause and say, am I genuinely very tired or is there actually something physically wrong I need to get checked out are the people around me adding to my life or taking from my life you know taking cues also from your body she recommends that you need to how are you really properly feeling as a kind of doctor she would say look at your body and find out what's going on are you feeling pent up and stressed because the chair in your study is the wrong shape and it's unhelpful for you so it's really made me think about you know that practicalness and there's quite a lot of Interesting bits. You know, if I was uh, Millie, I would be taking (laughs) a big deep dive into the feminism behind this because, you know, also, you know, just look at your choices as well and not feel responsible to do the care bit again just because you are a woman. 
Yes, another thing on the to-do list, isn't it? Mm. But I think for for anyone who's maybe, especially I think in perimenopause and the midlife yeah. overwhelm, it can be quite hard to connect with life and learn to really love it and see it as a gift. You know, you just see it as this thing you day to day, you've got to get through it. And it's a str- it can be a struggle. And if you don't feel much pleasure or joy in life, at the moment, I'd recommend having a look at Tanith Carey's new book, which oh. is called Feeling Blah, like that. Blah. I'm feeling blah. blah. Um, <laughs> that's a really helpful read. She's a journalist and author specialising in health and, and psychology. And in this book, she explores anhedonia. Do you know what that is? Anhedonia. I had heard of that. That's yeah. the kind of when you get into a state of you're just so stressed, you feel nothing. Yes, exactly. It's from a Greek, uh, from a Greek word. And it means about not being able to take pleasure from life, feeling like you're living in a fog. Yes, we get that. You're neither happy or sad. It's that kind of sleepwalking through life thing. And so her book explains what it is, what to do about it. And interestingly, she says that there's been this study that says you need two hours of free time a day to find happiness. That's the apparently a big study. So if you can find two hours of free time mm. that and then work out what you want to use it for, that is something that could really help you forwards. And she also recommends writing something called a no-do list, which I like the sound of, which is actually does revolve, involve writing lists. So you'd write a list of all the things you do each week and next to them you consider, do I want to do this or is it just expected of me? And then you go through and you sort of cross out things that you don't want to do, that you want to drop, or you put next to it things that you can delegate. So you're kind of just relieving yourself really and creating some of that time. It's good, isn't it? I quite like that, yes. It plays into the the, the books that I've just mentioned, doesn't it? Because a couple of people have said to me, oh, you're always recommending your cold water swimming. And, you know, I know I should do it and it'll make me feel better. And I say, but do you want to do it? It might not be your thing. What is your thing? That might not be your thing. You don't have to do it because it's a thing that everyone's doing. It might, you might be someone, I've got a friend who absolutely will not ever get into water under about 50 degrees. She's just never Mm going to do it. Mm. So I think that's really interesting. When we started working together, we were quite Mm. purposeful, weren't we, about our way of working, that we wouldn't say yes to everything. We did a little bit at the beginning, but that we would make space in our day to do nice things. And we do this thing now and again, don't we, when we check in and I say, have you watched Escape to the Country? And <laughs> you'll say, have you had your cheese sandwich? Uh, don't, you know, turn your phone off. Yeah. Don't. It's, I think it's, if yeah. you're, if you can surround yourself with people who understand this more purposeful way. Now, this sounds really privileged, of course, because a lot of people don't have the choice or the resources. But the other point that book mentioned, which I really need to mention, is what is the support around you mm-hmm. to allow you to do the things that, that are considered self-care or wellness? Can you ask for someone to look after the kids while you go and do the thing that gives you half an hour of joy? Can you ask someone else to be part of what you're doing. And I think often we just don't think. And the softening is about being vulnerable and learning to ask for help. So you won't get anywhere near these things unless someone can help you yeah. in midlife. It's, it's a team effort, isn't it, self-care? It is. It's help and a bit of time and a bit of space for you. Right then, shall we bring in Claire? Let's. Okay, now, lovely listeners, I think I should warn you that the sound, it's not our usual quality, one of those technical issues beyond our control, but hopefully it won't dampen your enjoyment of the interview because she's got a lot of amazing stories to tell and a fantastic outlook on midlife. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. She's danced with Patrick Swayze, kissed Miami Vice's Don Johnson on stage, been praised in person by Liza Minnelli, and once cheered up British and American troops as the force's sweetheart in Afghanistan. It's time to welcome today's multi-talented musical guest, star of stage and screen and radio, Claire Sweeney. And this year, our favourite Liverpudlian joins the prestigious BBC presenting team for Eurovision. Now, you probably know Claire from her days as Lindsay Corkhill in the soap opera Brookside and from her hit telly show 60 Minute Makeover. But the 51-year-old's real love lies with musical theatre. She starred in Chicago, Guys and Dolls, Tell Me on a Sunday and Legally Blonde, and she's a much-loved panto regular. Alongside her TV and stage work, Claire, who is a single mum, hosts her own show on BBC Radio Merseyside. She's an ambassador for the charity Wellbeing of Women, and a regular supporter of Comic Relief. In fact, Claire was in the first Celebrity Big Brother in aid of Comic Relief, and she also danced in the first ever series of Strictly 2. She's often described as one of the hardest-working, most down-to-earth actors in the UK, and she's here today to talk about her midlife experience, parenting her son Jackson, who is nine, and her journey from performing in working men's clubs aged 14, where her dad, who was a butcher, used to hand over a leg of lamb to secure her moment in the spotlight, to her heady days performing alongside Hollywood greats. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Claire. Hello. Thanks for having me on. So I think we'll take you right back to the beginning then, Claire. It all started, didn't it, in the uh, working men's clubs of Liverpool when you were 14. You've worked so hard <laughs> since the age of 14. Talk us through your big break. You started in the working men's clubs. You went on those cruise ships as a teenager in your early 20s and then you got telly, didn't you? So talk us through that time in your life. Okay, so I think it was about 19 when I went on the cruise ships. And, you know, my favourite TV show was Brookside. Uh, and I got offered a six-month contract on the cruise ships. And then I got an audition for Brookside, and it was to play a singer in Mike Dixon's band. I couldn't make that audition. And an agent said to me, there's another audition, but it's not right for you. It's play Jimmy Corkill's daughter. You're not right for it. Go along for that. Tell them you want to be considered for the other part. I did that and I ended up getting the part of Jimmy Corkill's daughter and it was only like one episode at the time and they said would you be prepared to like hang about see if there's any more episodes I said no I'm going to work on cruise ships and I'm not giving up six months work for one two possible episodes so 
I went away and I did four years on the ships. And then one day I decided to write to Mal Young, the producer, and say, is that one or two episodes still going? I'm ready to come home now. The day he got the letter was the day they were going away with all the writers to future line story meetings. He got the letter, put it in his briefcase, went and did the storyline meetings and brought me into the show. A day later, I would have missed it. Serendipity, isn't it? Yeah, because I always thought of you as an actor, you know, Brookside, absolute huge fan. But obviously the singing, the dancing, that was something from childhood? Brookside was my first acting job. Yeah. I've never, I've never acted before. I was 26. I'd never acted before. I still do it now. I still keep waiting to get caught out whenever I'm acting, you know. It's like this um, imposter syndrome. You come from this really tight-knit Liverpudlian background. You're really close to your family, aren't you? It's a very secure place to come from. And I know you go back and you stay in your family home with your son. What have been the highlights coming from there and globetrotting, travelling the world, working with massive Hollywood names? What have been the highlights for you looking back on that? Highlights? Oh, my God. I suppose Patrick Swayze, Guys and Dolls. A duet with Jose Carreras at the Royal Albert Hall. That was wonderful. And you met Liza Minnelli, didn't you, as well? Tell us that story. I was listening to that story because you'd gone to see her in in America with your mum, hadn't you? Well, I was a bit of a stalker. I was like one of those um, people who hang around the stage door because I was obsessed with her. I'd stood there for ages in about minus seven with my mum waiting to meet her after a show. And when she come out, it was the days of disposable cameras, cardboard cameras, and I kind of hyperventilated and went a bit mental when she come out. Give the cardboard camera to my mother who can't take pictures for dear life. And I put my face next to hers like I was demented. And my mum's got this photo. And there's this hand coming in here, security guard, pushing me out of the camera. <laughs> and she's like this looking at me like in shock. And I'm like, who put this on the picture? Like looking demented, smiling angrily. Yeah, and that was the picture, and I've still got it. And then I met her. I went to um, a birthday party of hers. I think it was hers or David Guest's at the Dorchester Hotel. I met her and got invited, and I thought, oh, my God, that was less than a year ago. And I'm sat here now at a party with her. It's mental. Did she see you perform? Did she not come and see you perform on stage? She came to see Chicago, yeah. Yeah. Did she come backstage to see you after? Yeah, she did. How amazing is that to have one of your heroes come backstage to Tell you how brilliant you are in something. Our, our, our job is so weird, you know. Uh, you know, one minute you can be like stalking outside the stage door, next minute you're drinking with them. And that's the nature of our job. You never know who you're going to meet and when. You mentioned Chicago. I mean, that is such a brilliant musical. What other roles for you have you just loved performing? My favourite was um, Guys and Dolls, Miss Adelaide, which is coming back on again now with Daniel Mays. And that was opposite Patrick Swayze. And then the other two highlights have been one-woman shows. I did Tell Me on a Sunday, which is the one-woman Andrew Lloyd Webber show, and Shirley Valentine as well. And funny enough, I went to see Sheridan do Shirley Valentine last night, Sheridan Smith, and I was just watching it thinking, oh, my God, how did I learn all that? It's amazing because it's a monologue, isn't it? Did you get injured on the first night with the very sharp knife? So on opening night, I'd spent six months learning it, and it was terrifying. It was horrendous trying to learn it. You know, you're on stage on your own for two hours just talking and you have to make egg and chips in the show. So I said to them, give me a very sharp knife so I don't have to think about trying to chop through the potato. I just want to slice through as I'm talking. And on the opening night, I'm doing my lines and I'm da-da-da-da-da-da and I slice through the potato and I slice through my hand. 
And I look down and I can see the bone. Oh, gosh. And it's just like gushing blood. And the potatoes turning red. So I just carried on. And then I get up and I go over to the sink and I get a tablecloth. And that starts going red. And I carry on. Then I said to the audience, look, I'm going to have to stop. And because, like, she's a scouser, I'm a scouser, Shirley. But I said, this is me talking, not Shirley. I'm going to have to stop. Look at my hands. I said, is there any doctors in the audience? So I go off in the interval. I get bandaged up and I come back on. I thought, I'm, I've got to finish this show. And then afterwards, a doctor comes back and says, you need to go to hospital. I get taken to hospital, get it sewn up, and I've still got no feeling in that part of my hand. It's kind of amazing you carried on, though, because you were, you were very frightened of doing that role, weren't you? Because you spoke to Willie Russell, didn't you, beforehand as well? Yeah, I, I had a fear of forgetting my lines because there's so many of them. But the interesting thing is, once I had the injury, I didn't think about the lines. Did you just tumbling out my mouth? And I was carrying on doing stuff with these words, just tumbling out my mouth. I just knew them. They were just in my body, you know. I texted Willie um, just before the show and I said, how on earth do people learn this? Is it physically possible? Is it mentally possible? And his words to me were, I hear it's a mountain to climb, but the views are very good when you reach the top. Oh. <laughs> and they were. Once I knew it, I couldn't believe it. It was so wonderful to do. Now, I, th- I feel that with, you know, with what you do, I mean, huge admiration for the, the concentration, the focus, the fitness, the stamina. There is so much involved in the way that you perform. How has that um, evolved for you as you've gotten older and, and you're into your midlife years? How do you keep fit? How do you stay strong and focused? Well, I'm not keeping fit at the moment. I've just had a cake before I've come up to see you. <laughs> Good for you. Um, don't. I've had a bacon butty this morning. I dropped my son off at school, went into Marks and Spencer's, and I got this waft. Oh. And there was like an oven there, and I got a big bacon bath. This was so heavenly. I sat on the bus on the way home on the front seat, top deck with my bacon butty in a cup of tea, <laughs> and I couldn't have been happier. I could not have been happier. But do you have to train specifically? So when you get a role like that, you have to go into training mode. Very physical. You have to train vocally as well because the voice is a muscle. And if you don't use it, you lose it. So, you know, you have to keep that going all the time. And it is good to be fit and be strong. And I'm just a bit flabby at the moment. I will get back into it. Does it bother you? Do you know what? This is a funny one because I was talking to my friend before and he said to me, how is your weight? One of the first questions we always ask each other, how is your weight? I says, I'm eating everything. I said, but it's so hard because I'm seeing people I've not seen for ages. And they go, no, you look really well, Claire. And I think I'm looking well, I'm getting away with it. I'll have another bacon butty. <laughs> and it just escalates, doesn't it? <laughs> now, you are, you're 52 now. 52 in April. In April. All right, 52 in April. So we always talk to our guests because our listeners want to know about their journey because they're going through the same thing, about their midlife journey. So the perimenopause, the stuff that happens between 40 and 50. And you had, I think you were 42 when you had Jackson. So you've been through, I would say, quite a hard, tough decade. You've been a single mum. You've had to keep working. You've probably, I'm guessing, been through the perimenopause, menopause. Talk us through that and tell us for the listeners, really, because we want all women to, you know, to give advice and guidance and what they've learned over that that decade of midlife. I am perimenopause now. Um, I, I have not reached the menopause yet. I still have my periods. I just rented a flat in Spain and I went over to stay with my friend who lives there who's the same age as me. We're two days apart and we always compare what's happening to our bodies, what's happening to our minds. For the last 20 years, I go, is that happening to you? And, you know, we're pretty much the same all the way through. And I went over there to sort this flat out 
And I just couldn't get it together to get it organised. And when I got there, she'd done it all. I just Sometimes I just have that feeling of wanting to get under the covers and pull the blanket over my head and not be responsible organising it. And because I'm a single mum and I'm in charge here, I have to organise everything. And she'd really helped me and done stuff. And I said to her, I said, thank you for doing that. I said, because I've just not had my head together sorting stuff out. She said to me, she said, well, you've got loads going on in your life. She said, I don't have a lot going on. You know, you're trying to learn lines. You're trying to do this. And I feel as if I'm, I've got so many balls up in the air. And sometimes I just want to retreat and not have to deal with life all the time and deal with everything, do you know. And I used to have so much energy, so much gusto. And I was a real doer, an organizer. And I think this is part of the perimenopause as well. The responsibility burdens me sometimes. A lot of headaches. I don't know if that's normal. Honestly, this morning, my head, and it's still now, I took two neurofibers, just constant headaches, anxiety, not being able to lose weight so quickly as well. I used to be able to cut back for a few days and I'd see a difference. And now it's just really hard. And I don't beat myself up so much now. This morning, I really fancied that bacon butty and I had it and I loved it. So what? What's the worst thing that can happen, you know? And what advice have you got to other women who go through this time as single mums? Because I think it's, you've got to do it all yourself, haven't you? And you've also just got, there's nowhere to take the stuff at the end of the day as well. There's no one to give it to. What what guidance do you think you could offer for women listening? I knew I was having to shoot to Mallorca for a couple of days. And I knew it was going to be World Book Day. So I went and I got him a fancy dress costume, Willy Wonka, got him all sorted. And um, I had my mum here and, and someone else looking after him while I shot away. It was all, the night before I'm coming back, he says, Mummy, I don't want to be Willy Wonka. It's eight o'clock at night. I'm in Mallorca in my friend's apartment. I want to be the wimpy kid. I went online to see if I could get a costume. It's five to six week wait to get this costume. Then he wants white card to make the mask. And I'd got it all in place, you know. And I just felt like holding my hands up. I just like, you know, you just can't deal. It was a piece of white cardboard. And it stressed me to death trying to get this white cardboard. And I just thought, you can't beat yourself up over things and don't put too much pressure on yourself, you know. Kids are fine if they don't have the piece of white cardboard. It's not the end of the world, you know what I mean? It's like, I try and get organised and then things go wrong. It sounds, Claire, a little bit like you've, I mean, we absolutely went through it, this sort of feeling of absolute overwhelm. But what's yeah. really nice to hear, though, is that you are being kind to yourself in, in terms of you're, you're, you're recognising that it's too much. You're, you're allowing yourself to have the cake and the bacon butty. So there is a, a little bit of, you know, you coming through there and just being a little bit kinder to yourself. But it sounds like you've got great people around you, your friends, your mum. Oh, I've got great people around me, great people around me. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. I'm not as hard on myself as I used to be. I'm not as demanding of myself as I used to be. See this? That's your script, yeah. Well, do you know what? It's for an audition tomorrow, right? And it's like 20 pages of dialogue. And I just thought, how am I meant to sit learning that for an audition? And I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? And I wouldn't have dreamt of doing this a few years ago. I'm going to know it, but I'm going to go in and read it as well. And I'm not going to beat myself up and be awake all night or through the night trying to learn it when Jackson's gone to sleep. I'm going to kind of know it and go in and do the best I can do. Do you know what I mean? And if it's meant to be, it'll be. Because I would have got myself, I'm a slow learner, I would have got myself, and also I find it a bit harder learning now as well. I would have got myself into such a state. So you just got to 
protect yourself a little bit and not let yourself go to that place where you spiral out, you know what I mean? What about rejection, though? Because the game you're in, you're obviously saying you're auditioning. Is it a, a big deal for you if it's a part that you really want or are you water off a duck's back? I've learned to become a bit numb. Guys and dolls, I auditioned for that and I didn't get it. And I was devastated. I really wanted it. And I, I was given up 60-minute makeover to do that as well. I decided to give up my TV series to go and do it. And I didn't get it. And six months later, they phoned me up and they went, right, we want you to do it now and we want you to do it alongside Patrick Swayze. So I do have a firm belief in life, what's meant for you won't pass you by. And you can't always control things. Sometimes things are just out of your control. Sometimes someone might already have the part and there's a formality of auditions that has to be done. So I just go, okay, not meant to be something else will come along. Yeah, that's a very sensible and accepting attitude, isn't it? You've got to. Yeah, it's just the way our, our business is. You've got to accept it. If it's not meant for you, it's fine, you know. We had um, Juliet Stevenson, the actress, on the show, and she was talking about how, for a little bit, she didn't mention her age because she was really worried she wouldn't be put forward for auditions because there were so few auditions staged for women of her age. And then she realised she was going to mention it and she was going to make a point of it. And actually, she says, and she's over 60 now, that she has had the best roles of her life on stage. I'm with her, you know. I noticed the transition and it was just after Jackson was born and I was 43 and the roles I was getting offered changed. And I remember it very well um, in musical theatre. You know, I'd been doing the romantic lead, Miss Adelaide or whatever, or Tell Me on a Sunday, what else? Um, Legally Blonde, Paulette. And suddenly I started getting offered the camp, old cougars, alcoholics. And... <laughs> Oh, my God, I loved it, right? I loved it. <laughs> and, and it wasn't the lead role. It was normally the second lead, but that comedy role. And I was like, this is brilliant. The first one was the Baroness and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I have another thing. If you ever do pantomime, the three ages of pantomime, you start off, you know, the young princess. Then you become the evil queen. And you know you're getting on when you become the fairy godmother. <laughs> And I got offered I got offered the fairy godmother last year for the first time and I was like, Oh my god, there are great roles for older women. You look at Jennifer Coolidge, oh my god, she is such an inspiration and her career has just come into her own. And that's what's happened with me with like in Benidorm, a great character role, then Scarborough great character role. I've just filmed another TV drama and really good camp character roles and I'm loving them. Tell us a little bit about the pandemic, because I was listening to you on um, Ladies of Liverpool, which is my new favourite podcast. <laughs> but you said that you'd learnt to slow down a bit because of the pandemic. But also, you know, you do spend a lot of time with your family, don't you? You're very close to your mum and you'd realised you said the value of all of that in life. You know what? I, I really did slow down and it was Jackson as well. I remember, like, everyone was terrified at the beginning of the pandemic. I was obsessed with watching the news. And I remember being on the sofa with him, and he's holding my hand, and I didn't have to rush anywhere or anything, you know. No one could go anywhere. And he said to me, Mummy, they're all saying this is, like, the worst thing in the world. He said, but I think it's brilliant. I said, why? He said, there's no suitcase at the front door. He said, we're laying here. We can watch Harry Potter. You're going to be here tomorrow. You haven't got to go to work. This is amazing, Mummy. This sounds daft, right? But I started to look up for the first time. 
I looked at, I remember going to Liverpool and looking up at the architecture and the buildings here. I'd stop and look at flowers, look at trees. I learned to be more in the moment instead of chasing and thinking, what's next? Where am I going? What have I got to do? I just slowed down and really enjoyed it. But I was very lucky. I was in a secure financial position. I'd sold a house in 2019. So I was very secure financially, so I could literally sit it out and enjoy it with my son. So I was blessed. Now we have to talk about Liverpool and we have to talk about Eurovision because that is, we're so excited. Uh, you're part of the presenting team. What can you tell us? It's going to be camp. <laughs> well, I am a gay man in a woman's body, so this is just my dream Liverpool. <laughs> when I was there and wanting to get involved, I did say to, to one of the bosses, I said, you know, camp, scouse and musical. Oy vey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to wear? Have you got outfits? Well, you know, I'm not doing the main TV hosting. I'm doing the BBC sounds coverage and all that. I'm going to be looking amazing. I, I love jumpsuits and I'm going to be bringing out the jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're lucky that Jackson's not quite a teenager because it can go either way with teenage boys. They can either be really into what you're doing, because I've got a 16-year-old son, or they can be, ultimately, you are the m- possibly the most embarrassing thing that ever. I mean, I can see the potential with Eurovision and a teenager. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you know what he said to me this morning on the way to school? He said, Mummy, he's, he's dead posh, right? He said, Mummy, can I... Can I, can I Walk honestly to you. I says, of course you can. He said, you know, I love you more than anything in this whole wide world. And I said, yes. He said, but I started to get a little bit embarrassed when you smother me with kisses in front of the other children at the school gate. And I went, oh, it's happening. He went, mommy, no, no, no. I'm not going to turn into that teenager that people tell you about that it'll happen. He said, but just, I love you kissing me. I love you hugging me. But I just get a little bit embarrassed. And I thought maybe I should tell you. He said, but secretly we can hug and kiss each other all the time. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, I hear about this. People say he'll get to a stage when he won't want to know and he won't want you kissing him. And that was the first thing this morning. But he did it with such kindness. <laughs> Gorgeous little Jackson. We love the sound of him. He sounds delightful. Now, listen, I haven't been to Liverpool. Probably, this is shocking, for about 30 years, (laughs) went up there as a student. Well, I'm going this summer. My sister and I were like, right, we want to go to Liverpool. Where are we going to go? Tell us where to go. What should we be doing? Oh, my God. So you need like Sunday afternoon to go around Matthew Street to all the bars around there. There's singing, there's music. The city's alive. Liverpool, one for your shopping, go down the docks. Um, Restaurants, Mowgli Restaurant, um, the Carriage Works. There's great theatres. Since the capital of culture, Liverpool has become a tourist destination now and it's absolutely geared up for tourists and visitors. It's fantastic. So a little bird tells me that you had, I think I'm going to call it a French kiss with Don Johnson (laughs) on stage, but it wasn't about Don, was it? Tell us what it was about. French kiss, I call it sticking the tongue in. (laughs) So I was doing Guys and Dolls. I'd done it with Patrick Swayze. Don Johnson replaced Swayze. And years ago, Don Johnson had had a, a long affair with Barbara Streisand. And if the National Enquirer is true, <laughs> he broke her heart. They did a record called Till I Loved You, right? And apparently he broke her heart. Now, I used to have to do this stage kiss with him. And on the last night, I stuck the tongue in vigorously. <laughs> vigorously. <laughs> 
me come off stage and he was like, hey, whoa, whoa, what was that about? Woo, that <laughs> must have been good. And I says to him, oh, John, John, that wasn't about you. That's the closest I'll ever get to Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a huge fan, aren't you? I am the biggest Barbara Streisand fan in the world. <laughs> How many degrees of separation is that? <laughs> it's quite close. It's quite close. Quite close, yeah. <laughs> that is good. We can't let you go without asking for just life lessons. We often say to women on the show, what are your midlife life lessons? Anyone listening who thinks I'm in a bit of a place, I'm a bit overwhelmed, is it going to get better? Am I going to feel happier? What are your lessons, Claire? No matter how much I sit and worry about something, it doesn't change it. It is what it is, right? If a situation's happening, it is what it is. You sit and worry and stewing ain't going to change that situation. So just let it unfold. Or And I'm not frightened to walk away from things now. I was always frightened to walk away from a situation or if I'm not happy in a place that, you know, now I'll go, this isn't good for me. It doesn't serve me. And I've got to be in a good place to look after my son as well. So I think don't worry so much about things. And that is, you know, a, a byproduct of um, anxiety is a byproduct of the perimenopause, isn't it? And, mm. and the menopause, you can't always change things in those early hours in the morning when you worry and it ain't going to change things. So just let it be. Don't be too hard on yourself. And, you know, if you want that bacon butty on the front of a bus, have it. <laughs> I love that. The other morning, yeah. I was coming back from the school run and I was on my way to the gym. <laughs> it was half nine in the morning. And I just got off the bus and I went in the cinema and I got the biggest tub of popcorn at 10 o'clock in the morning. I watched the Fablemans. Oh, that's the dream. It was bliss, you know. And I was going to a, a Barry's boot camp and I just thought, nah, I don't feel like that today. And I went to the cinema and it was heavenly and I didn't beat myself up over it, you know. Be kind to yourself. And I have to ask you, because I like a little warble myself, favourite show tune? Oh, the one that comes out with all my gaze is Hello, Dolly. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you get serenaded. I've done it when I've walked into parties with all my gaze and the, my, the intro music started. And it's like, you know. <laughs> I think we only want to come to Liverpool to stay with actually with you when you're there. I think that might be more fun. Than going <laughs> <on>. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Claire. Thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for your lovely advice and your bacon butties and everything. And we wish you luck with Eurovision. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I really enjoyed that. Doesn't Claire have the most inspiring attitude? She does indeed. And she loves a bacon butty. I mean, why would you ever resist one? <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. But again, apologies for the sound, listeners. Kind of sort of hark back to the days of interviews being conducted on telephones. Can you imagine? Back in the old days. While speaking of harking back, it is now time for my favourite bit, Nostalgia Noodle. And in one of the many emails we get uh, to the podcast, crazy ones and normal ones, we get what we got one from Sky TV, who sent us details of a new show called a town called Malice, which is named after the 1982 jam song. It's described by Sky as a neon musical. I don't know what that means. It's uh, some kind of gangland shenanigans, but Sky are using it to kick off a season in March, paying tribute to films of the 1980s, mm. which is a massive 
big old nostalgia noodle and I thought listeners might need to know about that they can have a look at Sky TV for that series but it got me thinking about the not very good film so I mean we'd all love Ghostbusters and all those films but there were some absolute stinkers in the (laughs) 80s and it made me remember um, so after Greece in 1978, mm. Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta were reunited. So I remember there were high hopes of this film for a film called Two of a Kind, which was an absolute howler. Stinker, a stinker. <laughs> it was terrible. They described it as a romantic comedy fantasy drama. Oh, God. <laughs> what it was billed as. And it was um, Gene Hackman was the voice of God and there were some angels that were trying to make a bank robber and a bank teller fall in love and forgive each other to save the earth or something. some ridiculous plot. But it really highlighted a terrible lack of romantic tension between John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. It did, however, give her three hit singles, apparently. But, oh, my God, it was just the worst film ever. I really clearly remember. I've never even heard of it. I've never even heard of it. You were obviously not a Grease fan in the same slightly obsessive way I was. Well, I went off in a different direction with this uh, sky, a town called Malice. Well, you'll be pleased to know it's not a singing related thing. It reminded me of, do you remember the film, A Town Like Alice? Do you remember that? So we're not in the 80s now. We're way, way back. Trish, this is not what we discussed when we discussed it. It's not, but I thought it's noodling, noodles and doodles. We can go, right, I'll get get on with it. So Sunday afternoons, you're about 8, 9, 10. It's raining outside. You can't go out. There's only one channel, two channels on the telly. Old black and white film comes on and it's A Town Like Alice. Do you remember it? No. Is it about Australia? Yes, there is that element. So basically it's about this young English woman played by Virginia McKenna. Loved her. That actress, do you remember her? Yeah. And she's captured by... Born free. free. uh, By the Japanese army in Malaya during World War II. And she's forced on this brutal march across the country with um, with a lovely Australian soldier who risks his life to help all these women. And it just really brought that back powerfully of watching it um, in the sitting room. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and find it and watch it again. Oh, I yeah. think it's brilliant. I, yes, it's right up my street, that, I think. We should pop it in the, in the box, the memory box. The memory box. Yeah, my... And I pop you <laughs> in your... Pop exactly. you in your elasticated pants and your 10% off at the garden centre. <laughs> yeah, cop- a copy of that video. Have to be a video as well, and a video recorder. Well, we've come to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening, lovely listeners. It really helps if you subscribe or follow us on your podcast provider. And we would be super duper grateful if someone could leave a review telling us hopefully lovely things about what you think about the show. Yes. And if you want to get in touch with us, there are various ways to do it. We love your emails, um, which you can send to hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. And of course, you can pop messages on our Instagram and the Facebook group. Goodbye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.